This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, May 19th, 2023. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the state of homophobia, transphobia and biphobia in the world of work. The shortage of teachers in Europe. The Labour Start report about union events and singing. I belong, you belong, we belong to the union. This is Radio Labour. On May 17th, millions of people, including thousands of trade unionists, celebrated the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia and Biphobia. The theme of this year's celebration was Together Always, United in Diversity, a theme perfectly in keeping with the labor movement's sense of solidarity and commitment to supporting diversity. One of the labor organizations which celebrated May 17th was the International Transport Workers Federation. The ITF represents some 20 million unionized workers in 153 countries. Stephen Cotton is the ITF's general secretary. Today, the 17th of May, we're celebrating our diversity. In the ITF, we made a very strong motion in 2018 in our Congress. Brothers, sisters, comrades and friends, we recognise your vital contribution to our transport modes and your rights at the very core of the labour movement. Diversity is at the centre of why we fight and defend solidarity. And so when we're together and we talk about a day where we celebrate our diversity and our differences, it's critical that the labour movement does have a loud voice in this space, does set terms and conditions and does make sure each and every one of us is protected. So today we reflect upon the importance of the work we're doing. ITF, in its tourism conference, passed a very strong resolution in support. Our urban transport, also in Johannesburg this year, passed a very strong support. We're rolling out our message of diversity. We're rolling out a message of inclusion. And it is critical that we're in a position to defend everyone's rights and make significant process in this area. To explain how diversity is being handled in the workplace, the International Labour Organization produced a podcast on the topic. The program featured the Director of Programs for the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans and Intersex Association, Nanu Sandhu. The association works under the title ILGA World, ILGA World. Mr. Sandhu was interviewed by ILO Communications Officer Anders Johnson. Nanu, thank you so much for joining us on the ILO World of Work show. Can you tell us a little bit, what's the current situation like for LGBTIQ plus uh, workers around the world? And are things getting better or worse? I think it really depends. First of all, the LGBTIQ plus community is not a homogeneous community. So for some of those, especially lesbian, gay, bisexual workers, things may be improving globally. For trans and intersex persons, again, perhaps some new issues are being introduced and more awareness is being raised, but there still remains challenges. That's a global picture. But then we also need to have a look at what sectors as well. Overall, I would say that the rights of LGBTIQ plus persons in certain sectors, such as finance, hospitality, management positions, doing very progressively well. However, when you look at other part, other sectors, perhaps in construction, administration, hospitality, and other parts of the supply chain of the workforce, where 
you're most likely to find LGBTIQ plus workers not doing too well. Then we look at by region. Okay. Um, now in parts of North America, we see a backward trend happening in certain sectors, especially in education, especially in he- the health sector as well. Across Europe, this trend is also emerging as well. Now, whereas we go to Southeast Asia or South Asia, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, we see that there is progress, particularly around trans rights. More and more programs are being established to equip and skill trans persons and intersex persons. And on the other hand, in that part of the region, lesbian, gay, bisexual persons are ha- um, having more challenges in entering or being more visible in the, wor- in the workforce. And then in Africa, again, uh, you're seeing another pushback as well in east parts of East and in West Africa. There is not a one-size-fits-all for this. So there are some 80-odd countries right now that have passed laws prohibiting discrimination based on the grounds of sexual orientation. But of course, there's a lot more than 80 countries around the world. So what's the main hurdle to actually getting more countries to pass these kind of laws? That's a very, very good question. And that figure actually only looks at sexual orientation. It doesn't take into account gender identity or gender expression and including sex characteristics. One of the key parts of the problem there is engaging civil society, engaging trade unions, employers, organizations to come together, create that dialogue and advocate for those labor codes to be changed to include sexual orientation. So you say that they're there, there's an important role for social dialogue then in this. It is key and fundamental to this. Um, I think it cannot be done without that. I think, and this is a good point where NGOs and civil society and also trade unions can collaborate together to advocate for that change to happen. But that's only on sexual orientation. The, the rest needs to happen on gender identity, gender expression and sex characteristics. So how do you think tackling discrimination in the workplace can help actually improve social justice around the world? For us at ILGA World, we know that labor rights are human rights and that promoting social justice, they go hand in hand. The advancement of, uh, or decriminalization or advancement of LGBTIQ plus persons' rights actually takes place in the workplace. We've seen case after case after case where discrimination on based on the, on, on the grounds of sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, sex characteristics, where it's been fought, has that actually been fought because of discrimination based on the workplace? ETUCE's 127 member organizations have joined forces and set out 10 key demands to push education policymakers to ensure that education systems are properly funded and staffed to provide quality public education for all. Teaching as a career path has lost much of its attractiveness over the past decades, with a growing number of countries reporting teacher shortages an aging teaching workforce, and a decreasing appeal of the profession among young people. Coupled with an increase in early and mid-career teachers leaving the profession, education policymakers need to act now to ensure a quality public education for all in the coming decades. A Europe-wide campaign, Making Teaching Attractive, is initiated by the European Trade Union Committee for Education, representing more than 11 million teachers in 51 countries. At ETUCE, we believe that education is a human right and a public good, and that well-funded, well-staffed education systems are critical to the prosperity of all countries in Europe. Faced with teacher shortages due to both an aging workforce 
and the declining status of the profession, retention and recruitment are critical to the sustainable development of education systems. To raise the status and attractiveness of the teaching profession, ETUCE demands First, professional autonomy and academic freedom for teachers and academics. Second, decent salaries for teachers, trainers, academics and other education personnel. Third, quality teacher training and continuous professional development. Fourth, quality entry career paths and retention practices. Fifth, equality and diversity in the teaching workforce. Sixth, a healthy and safe working environment in education. Seventh, a better work-life balance and to control excessive workload. Eighth, a democratic school culture and collegial leadership in education. Ninth, strong and meaningful social dialogue. And finally, to empower the teaching profession at all levels of education in Europe, from early childhood education, primary and secondary education, vocational education and training, through to higher education and research. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top story section included links to an analysis of how the mass mobilization of workers in France to oppose pension rollbacks is revitalizing the French labor movement. Other top stories included articles marking the 10th anniversary of the Bangladesh Accord on factory safety and celebrating its expansion. We also carried items about the recent surge in Chinese factory protests and new Canadian legislation that may help expose the use of child labor for goods sold in that country. A random sample from our news pages includes the news that yet another union activist has been sent to prison in Belarus. The reaction of media unions to the appointment of a far-right business person to head the country's public broadcaster why South Korean unions need our global solidarity, and they need it now, and the ongoing Dockers dispute in Belize. This week, our Working Women news page carried items about a sex worker's organizing victory in the United States, an analysis of the connection between gender inequality and climate change, and the ongoing struggle in Switzerland against the gender pay gap. Stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week included details of the resurgence of black lung disease in the United States, a health and safety walkout by Italian workers at a car assembly plant, and the tradition of grossly overworking ferry workers in Hong Kong that resulted in the death of a worker last week. Our current photo of the week is a shot of Panamanian miners protesting union busting by a Canadian company. Canadian mining companies have a huge footprint in Central America and a terrible reputation for, amongst other things, vicious anti-union practices. Labor Start hosts online solidarity actions at the requests of unions around the world. This week, we'd like to highlight two urgent appeals for online solidarity with trained union activists in Belarus and in Georgia. If you can spare just a few seconds, you can do your part in these struggles by sending a solidarity message. Look for details of these and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Australia's Tim O'Brien with We Belong to the Union. 
You can bruise my pride and bust my face Scatter my rights all over the place And take the bread from off my plate But you can't break me Lock me out, chain the gates Put black shirts in with dogs and mace I'll hold the line, won't step away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the union Don't count me out when I'm on the floor We'll win again, we've won before The streets will ring with a mighty roar Cause you can't break me Stocks rise up on workers' backs Profits soar while you hand out the sack Boardroom bullies bloated and fat But you can't break me Australia's sold to mates offshore Backroom deals and shonky law This day has come, we say no more You can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the union I belong, you belong, we belong to the union Swear I'll never lay down and die I'm in the union, mate, got a right to belong We'll be back, million strong Women and men united as one Cause you can't break me There's a warning here to the men in grey The piper's come, it's time to pay We're taking back what you stole away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the union I belong, you belong we belong to the union And that's it, Labor News You Can Use. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.